Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner on the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm here with Shim Dewan to talk about flips and fitness, entrepreneurship, and business building. So Shim, just above you is flipsandfitness.com, your website, and also some of your social media there. I just want to encourage people to go ahead and follow you if they're interested. And can you introduce yourself and then uh, let's go. All right. Hey, uh, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I have two businesses, Flips and Fitness. I cater to teaching tumbling skills to cheerleaders, dancers, and gymnasts, along with martial artists and anyone recreationally wanting to learn those skills. I also have a dance company. It's a hip-hop-only dance studio uh, here in Baton Rouge. Uh, very excited. This brand is only a year old, and this, it's up and comings. We're building. This summer's going to be our going to our second season, so it's really exciting. But I'm glad to be here. Cool. Yeah, something that spurned me to get you on the podcast was I wrote a post about kind of certifications and you commented with some detail, I think, because there's something in your businesses that I think are, I don't know, I don't, some of your business infrastructure sounds like it must be the same based on what you were saying. Because I have a hard time relating to everyday people when I talk about certification in the massage industry, because I don't think they know what it means. So what has been your, your dealings with that specifically related to that Facebook post I made? Well, it made me think about a lot of things. I've been in business 15 years now with Flips and Fitness. That's just this business alone. Although I've been in the industry for, I've been coaching for 30 years now. So I grew up as a gymnast. I became uh, a judge. So you get certifications. So that's statewide, regionally, nationally. I also became an international world judge. Heavy, heavy amounts of certifications just to be a part of an organization, right? A global a governing body, because you feel like that's how you reach your highest goals of maybe one day opening a club, a, job, a studio, et cetera. And when I got to that point of opening a studio and other people opening studios, I realized these certifications were basically a minimum level of knowledge. That's what it is. A certification grants you the minimum level of knowledge, not the maximum. And so me wanting the maximum, I was always reaching for more and more and more, yet these certifications weren't getting me close to having a large body of information. And, and so I started realizing that all this stuff's made up anyway. There's people just opening organizations, associations, somebody with a lot of money starting a certification process that grants a person the smallest level of knowledge to get a job. And I realized I could just jump ahead of that so certifications, to me, only are only as valuable as being put on the wall. So someone doesn't that, that's not talking to me sees I have a minimum level of knowledge. But other than that, I try to push myself far beyond what some minimal level of knowledge piece of paper shows me. So I really like to talk to people, yeah, to, to showcase my level of knowledge beyond some certification. So that kind of hit a little, you know, a nerve with me when you were talking about that. Yeah, the, the thing that has been the most, I think, disconcerting to me is that that strive to be better. And I uh, met you because you were my coach for a time in gymnastics in high school. So you've known me forever, right? I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is, I think I was 15 when I started. And other than playing basketball as a kid or playing baseball at one point, like in the little leagues or whatever. It was the first time I had been really physical. And it, it was like, to me, as a 15 year old, it was like brutal on my body because I was not conditioned for that sort of 
intense physical activity. So I learned a lot about my body and then that process just continued as I went through college and then I got into a car accident in 1999. I'd been at LSU for a number of years at that point. So all that, that background like went into my industry specifically, which people would think of as massage. I went to massage school, got a massage license, it helped to a degree, but I kept digging like on the fringes and periphery and I kept finding new stuff. So essentially what happened for me is Thai massage and yoga became these two core Asian disciplines that I was gleaning information from. And then what happened was that aspiration to make it better, better, improve it, make it better, make the service better, improve it, help people with their health, work on my own health. Now I'm at a point where if I go into a massage facility, they say, uh-uh, what you're doing is not massage. And if I go to a yoga studio, they say, uh-uh, what you're doing is not yoga. And I'm like, dude, the clients love what I do. They complain that they can't even go anywhere else to get a session, but these industries don't want it because I think they're basing it off that baseline certification. Well, I got a yoga alliance certification. I got a license as a massage therapist and I'm like 500 hours, 500 hours is nothing. Right. Like that's not even, you know, right. yeah. Well, that's the Walmart version. I mean, you know, when you, if I, if I created a, you know, an organization, which in the process of doing that with my dance company, you want an easy in for people, you know, you want people to make it affordable and reach as many studios or people available. So it's just a money-making machine. On one end of certification, it's, it's, it's the, like I said, it's the lowest level of knowledge to gain this ability to go out and make money, but it in no way brings you to the highest level of that discipline. And then speaking to what you were saying, as far as you're going into, or people are coming to you and saying that this is not massage. I've experienced the same thing. I, I, I experienced it actually every single week. I have new clients coming every single week on, in the flipping industry and they have coaches. They, they have personal coaches already. They're on pro private teams and they come to me because they've been referred and, uh, and they granted someone has done a decent job of getting them to, to tumble, et cetera, et cetera. But when the parents meet me, I give a full evaluation. Every single client comes here and gets a full physical evaluation. It's also in that evaluation, it's, it's very detailed, even a mental. So I have a, have evaluations that include mental and physical together. It tells me how people think, but anyway, in relation to how they move and out here, I would say 99%, uh, that's, that's, that's what, let me, let me be more uh, humble about that. I would say 90% of the coaches out here have no education or background in physics or biomechanics. That's my expertise. And I bring that to gymnastics respectfully or tumbling respectfully, but they're performing skills with terrible technique, unsafe methods, and not functional. And that's what I do. I provide safety and function. And, and it just, it blows their mind. They're like, this is not this is not what people do. I said, I know. And I show them simple geometry, simple anatomy, simple forces, levers. That's what physics is about. And I explain it to the parents. I explain it to the uh, kids. I have videos. I have slow motion replay. This is, I call it the classroom. I don't even call it a gym. I call it a classroom. I'm having to educate people on their human, on their body, how to do things more safely. And it completely goes against what the standards are today. It blows everybody's mind, yeah. but it's what's kept me in business. Yeah. The I try to explain this to students because the students, uh, to give a short story, I've got 
some colleagues who are working with me who are now teaching some of my beginner classes. And one of the students pulled them aside and said, hey, I, I don't really dig Robert's vibe. Like, you got you to gotta keep this guy away from me. I, I'm just not digging Robert's vibe. And I go, yeah. like, but it's my curriculum. <laughs> right. Like, I, I tell the students, I'm like, listen, with my stellar personality and my capacity for cursing, I'm a success story. Imagine <laughs> what you can do as a nice person who's well-spoken and polite. Mm. <laughs> like, I've been a success. It's worked. Right. But the places, I think, from a packaging standpoint, are like, this is not... Like, I hear this, for instance, even in a, in a podcast sense, people are like, Robert, he just doesn't dress professionally. Ah. And I go, okay, a massage therapist working at a massage envy, doing massage, probably needs to dress a certain way. I'm doing right. shit that looks like therapeutic Brazilian jiu-jitsu on a mat. I'm not right. wearing slacks, and I'm not wearing dress shoes. You want to you know what my outfit is? That's what I'm wearing? <laughs> no, my outfit, I'm, I'm the only, I, I, take, I, take off my, I take off my little jewelry and watch before I coach, of course, for safety reasons. Yeah. But I wear, I love, I, lo I love, you know, t-shirts. I got on uh, jeans, Vans, tennis shoes. And I have to take off my my uh, my uh, wallet, but <laughs> I do not look like your typical coach. Yeah, and I love it. I love it. And when people, I've had parents come in here, and they're like, "Are you the coach?" <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like, what's your what's your background? I hate those questions, but also love them. And so I go, I give them a short list of my accomplishments and accolades. But what's funny is almost every one of my clients is referred, almost every one of them. And they've seen the work. They've seen the work. They've seen the product. But once they see me, because none of my videos I post have me in them, but it blows their mind. And then, of course, once you get the evaluation going, we're doing all the talks and what, what to expect. Dude, they're just, when I tell you they can't wait to write that check or give me the credit card, it's just how much, because I'm, I'm, ex I'm expensive. I'm very expensive. I'm the most expensive person in the city. I just can't, here. Here, here, let's get started. <laughs> yeah. And usually it's so hard to get in. But yeah. I love that New Orleans. I get I kind of feel like I had that New Orleans vibe where the outside's kind of like sketchy, but once you open the door, it's like a Taj Mahal. Yeah. You know, I, I love that, that where the appearances can be deceiving. Mm -hmm. I and I think I, I've tried to explain this to people. I think because I put out information on such a, a mass scale. Um and I hate to say this, maybe because I'm well-spoken in my accent. Like, people do this all the time. They're like, you're from Louisiana? I don't hear, like, a Louisiana accent. And I think they expect me to talk like, I'm Raymond, like in uh, The Princess and the Frog, you know? I'm, I'm from the Cajun from the Bayou, bro. <laughs> they expect me to talk like that. And it's like they don't culturally, I think, like, I talk about the way I dress. It's not uncommon. I wear a pair of Thai fisherman pants and an Easy E t-shirt. To them, it's a lack of status. But I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Half the population was black. Like gumbo, jazz, soul food was just like right. a, a part of the culture, no matter how fair my skin was. My brothers got tortured in school. They're both gingers. They have red <laughs> hair. Like they got, <laughs> they got teased right. mercilessly by every black kid. But it's like, you know, it's just 
it's hard to explain even that being from the South. When I moved to Pennsylvania for a year, people were like, you move too slow. And I'm like, what? You mean like my, they're like, you just, you move too slow. And it's like, dude, it's a hundred degrees in the middle of the summer where I'm from. Right. Like you don't move fast or you burst into flames. <laughs> like little things like that influence the way I look at the world and also the way I look at business. I kept looking at it and going, okay, is it working? And as long as it worked, I kept doing it. And what happened was the clients would be completely blown away and go, dude, this shit is amazing. Why is this not everywhere? Right. But when I worked with massage therapists, they'd be like, dude, this shit is amazing, but this is not massage. And then I'd go, great. We don't need licenses in all 50 states then. And they're like, what? And I went, it's not massage. I mean, you, like, I've, I've never seen a mechanic fix a car in a way that other mechanics said it wasn't being a mechanic. That's the difference, Robert. I think that's the difference in you and I think you and I are similar in we're passionate about what we do, but we want to be top notch and very successful in our manner. And we've gotten plenty of accolades from our clients. We're successful. We're a decade in. And the others who are not, who did not follow or who were, who were afraid or didn't know they could stray yeah. from the conventional path. It's like, oh, wow, he did that or they did that. That's, on, that's an uncertain route. It's uncertain. But I know if I do this ABC, well, my chances are being successful here. I just think I just people, it's people's level of comfort. I'm a risk taker. I was a gymnast. <laughs> so I let go of the bar, re-grabbed re the bar, fought, fell, hit my head, got back up and kept walking and wanted to do it better the next time. You know, so I just think some people just timid. They just want to have a job. They just, they don't want to. Yeah. Step away from the status quo at a risk of not being successful. And that that's a real concern, but I did it. Here I am. You know. Yeah, I just naturally everybody that I so from school into uh, jobs I had. It was the the general vibe in regards to me was like that guy's a troublemaker. <laughs> And looking back, I'm like, no, you're an independent thinker and an entrepreneur, but right. there was no school for entrepreneurship. Your schooling, right. in, including LSU, was not designed for entrepreneurship. They weren't trying to get you to think differently. You just somehow escaped. Like right. reinterpreting what people think of as massage is essentially my bread and butter. But I went so far as to say, okay, don't worry about whether it's massage. Like, what are we trying to do here? And I was like, fundamentally, I'm trying to help with pain management and a mobility issue. If I can solve a pain management and mobility issue in a unique way that's to me, then I can teach that, share that, scale that. That's what I've been doing. And my entire industry is like, but wait, but, 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 but we only do it this way. And I go, yeah, my clients are completely closed. I'm running four cameras. I can stream to you in 15 minutes from my studio. And they're like, what? But we can't learn online. And I'm like, I'm running four camera angles with anatomy on screen. I can, I can answer your phone calls live. And they're like, but no, we can't learn. We can't learn online. And I'm like, oh. right. <clears throat> but they don't realize, you know, they don't realize this goes into everything we're saying. I guess this might've happened to me 20 years ago, but I realized that everything that exists, let's say entrepreneurially, certification wise, business wise, 
it's all made up. It's, it's all made up. It's made up. So when I realized that everything is just simply made up, and then of course, you can categorize things, what things make more efficient, blah, 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 blah. So like, I can make it up too, and I can make it better. And it may not follow what you guys are doing. Yep. You know, so now, will my methods, techniques, approach, will it become favorite, favorite people? It has so far. Now, you know, I'm not a $100 million business, so I can't just take off and push it nationally very easily. But in my locale, I mean, dude, I'm the most successful, most asked, most talked up, most hated, most liked coach, <laughs> I, coach in the city. And I think those are in proportion. <laughs> I talk to students about this. I think those are proportional in ways. Yeah, yeah. How do you deal with, uh, so, I mean, this is personal to me. So when I talk about the hate mail and, you know, fan mail being in proportion, how do you deal with the hate mail? How do you deal with the negative comments? <sighs> How's that been for you? I don't get a whole lot, but when I get it, it gives me an opportunity to just, again, showcase my skill set. I don't use, I don't cower to it. I love discussion. When somebody comes to me and wants to speak negatively, I'm like, okay, all right, you, got, you have a comment. You have, you have a critique, and I'm going to speak to you about it. And, and usually they just lower their offense, and, and I, because I'm kind of, it's a challenge, really. But I love it. I just try to step on top of it, get in front of it rather, and just showcase what I can do. Now, of course, if there's a person that is speaking so negatively about the business, which is very rare, I just tell them, I still stay in front of it. It's like, I did my, I've done my very best for you. Obviously, I can't serve everyone. I can't accommodate everybody, but I can help you. And usually what I do is I can, I can possibly help you find a club that's more suitable for you. So usually if I get something like that, I jump in front of it. I, I tell them I'm doing my best, but I can also help you find someone more suitable because I might not be the best fit. Let me help you find someone. Yeah. Therefore, it just to me it ends on a good note anyway. I'm doing more for them than they than they thought I would do. Yeah. 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 I, I have a tendency to, and I, I do this on purpose. I when I get positive feedback or you know stuff, I tend to screenshot it and and clip it and like save it in some form so I can use it later if needed. But unfortunately for me, the good stuff just rolls off. Mm -hmm. But the negativity, ooh, that's just like a burr in my ass. Like I, I ruminate on that shit for days sometimes. Just, really? Just, oh, yeah. For, for better or worse, it's just me. But yeah. I think it's because I work so hard to perform the way I do. But because I'm using video and social media so much, it puts me out to mass criticism in some some various ways and my methods are sometimes at odds with the way that people look at massage itself or the practice so it's over time it's just become this thing where it's like yeah i'm a licensed massage therapist but i'm not really teaching massage the way it's culturally right. sanctioned like i've i've completely changed the model in ways that people are like but 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 i don't this isn't are you ready? This isn't what we were taught in school. And I go, yeah, that's the beginning. That's the beginner stuff. That's right. It's the like, minimum we're gonna, level. We're gonna bring you, we're gonna bring you further. And they're like, you don't have you don't have the right. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Are my clients getting better? Is it effortless for me to perform? Am I making money? Does it continue to grow? And they're like, yeah, but we don't. We don't like that you're changing it. And I'm like, 
I'm, I'm sorry, but I had to get better so that I did not shoot fentanyl in my, into my veins. Okay. <laughs> I'm better. I learned yeah. how, but it was more from Thai massage and yoga. It was not from what I learned in massage school, not specifically. <laughs> like I still I use still the anatomy. The anatomy is yeah. a big one. I still feel like what you're speaking to is what I said earlier. It's that certifications are merely, and this needs to be told, it's, it's merely the, it's the lowest level of knowledge that you were able to pass and get a job. Okay, but it's not the maximum. And a lot of these people are probably thinking, once I get the license, once I'm certified, I'm, I'm at the top of the ladder. No, you're not. You're less than a year in or two years in. You've done virtually no practical practice. You have no clientele or very little clientele. Just the ethics, the, the talking, the, the, there's so many points that you don't pick up, but they think they're at the top. Yeah. You know, but again, certification, it's like a driver's license. I try to tell my students, a driver's license is the minimum level of knowledge that we allow, that we have, that allows you to drive, but you've never even driven, you've been on the road for six months. You don't know what the real road's like. So it's, 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 <laughs> we grant you that, just like, okay, they've passed enough to not go out there and kill somebody you know, or keep themselves safe respectfully, but clearly more time is necessary. And I think that's what's lacking a lot of these certifications. They don't tell you this is the minimum level of knowledge. There's a lot more you can do above this. You can, yeah. get, you can get bigger than what we've provided. Of course. Yeah. I'm, as I'm putting together a certification program, I'm having a internal dialogue about you use the branded name, but then are there levels like level one, two, three, four, and I, I'm not, I'm not quite certain. And then like, just like a driver's license, so to speak, like, what do they have to do? Like, what do they have to do to get certified? What, what am I going to require of them? Cause I don't want to make it easy, but I don't want to make it so difficult that nobody does it either. And, and I don't want to don't make it talk. expensive, but I don't want to make it so cheap that it doesn't have any value or there's no quality control. I think that's where the levels is fine, the price points can be fine, but that's where those individuals who are passionate will rise to the second, the third, the fourth, and maybe even surpass. I mean, one of the goals you should have that I have is I need when I'm coaching. I mean, yes, I think I'm really good at what I do, but I, but I, was, I just simply try to make myself better than somebody else. I'm not all knowing, I learn every day. And, this, and I learn from children, you know? So it's possible someone will, one of my students will become a coach, will be a coach, and perform better than me and guess what i hope they do they simply raise the value of the entire company you know so of the whole idea of, of doing this better so i like the idea of levels but you do want start where you're comfortable at a level where okay people can get in get certified to start affordably enough those that want to do more are going to pay man they're going to pay no matter what it costs you know and those that think it's too difficult well they're going to go up the street to you know, the two ninety, I don't know, whatever the price is, the, the $99 place and to start practicing and be terrible at it. And that's just, that's their bad. <laughs> yeah, so. I've had, had lots of conversations because some of the methods and techniques and tools I use, people, I'm using, you know, mass distribution to teach. I have an online school. There's literally 800 hours of my curriculum and instruction online. I've recorded every class since 2017 and give it to subscribers. And people are like, dude, are you nuts? Like, dude, people are gonna steal your stuff. And I go, yeah, I, I've been trying to give it away on YouTube for like 10 years. Like, steal? Like, dude, I, 
we can talk about facade or background and plants and what stuff should look like and right. a paint job on the car, but who's going to replace my engine? Right. Like I've got the support materials, the training, like I'm, I'm doing live consults. We're in zoom right now, but I'm doing live consults where I'm taking my feed and flipping camera angles live and putting anatomy up doing live consults for students. Like there's no geographic borders. Right. Like my attention to detail and my, my fastidiousness is what's going to propel the business forward. It's almost like I'm daring people to try to replicate what I'm doing because when like a massage facility owner, I want you to understand this right now in my industry, a massage facility owner can look at what I'm doing and go, no, there's no way we're, we're not even going to allow what you're teaching at our facility. And I go, why? They're like, it's not massage. This isn't, this isn't what we do here. They don't say it's not effective. They don't say it's not good for the students' bodies, the, the, the therapist's bodies. They're just like, this service is not massage. And I'm like, great, then we don't need licenses in 50 states. And they're like, oh, wait, what? And I go, dude, I don't, I don't understand how I could create a service that there's not a market for. Like, how does your industry not recognize it as being for them? It would be like, not that I have as much background in this as you do. So it's like, has breakdancing and hip hop influenced gymnastics? Yes. Exactly. But, but did I see that even as a, in a high schooler? It was like, yeah, but it was just starting. It was like that, that process of hip hop, like pervading the larger culture and how people use their bodies. The thing is, they're trying to, I don't know, it's kind of like saying, okay, this is salsa dance, and this is tango, and then, you know, this is country line dancing, and never shall they meet. It's like people who are in dance are like, no, nah, they study all kinds of dance. They're studying ballet and other disciplines, and they're merging things. But for some reason in the massage industry, they're very, like, regimented, like these are separate things. That's and not to not to um, speak poorly about those that that think that way, but they themselves sort of forget or don't know that they're where they are is an evolution. It was, it's the next iteration. There were there are iterations of all of this. There was I don't I don't know uh, massage from its origins, but I'm sure it's changed hundreds of times. New things pop up. Some things are deleted. Things change, evolve, and so here's this iteration of it in the, the, the standard industry, and then you're evolving it. And it, it just, it's like, it's just, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> it's, guess it's, what? It's gonna, it's gonna evolve. Their own industry is gonna evolve before yes. their eyes, but they're gonna accept that for some reason, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, so there's a, there's a certain level of social norm that, that the, the new thing becomes accepted, and then it's, it's okay, but, I don't know what the process is of having that social acceptance. Like I get a sense, like we have discussions internally. So the work I'm teaching is weird and I'm also delivering information via video, you know, online in a massive scale that's kind of new. I don't hear, I can't learn online from young massage therapists. I hear it from older therapists who grew up in an area in an era that didn't have the same technology we have now. When I was setting everything up and figuring out the four cameras, the first time I really did it, I was like, it's, it's fucking over. Like this is, this will transform the entire fucking industry. Like this is, I, cause I can see it. I'm not thinking in terms of Austin. 
Texas. Right. I'm like, no, right. I'm people are buying shit from Slovenia. And I'm like, where's Slovenia again? I have to go Google it in Eastern <laughs> Europe. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm not replacing in-person classes. I'm just trying to give students a supplement to be able to change the social norm and say, listen, instead of working on a table, why don't we work on a mat? That is such a fundamental shift to how people think about what I uh, am doing that they don't even recognize it as, as part of their industry. Yeah. In the end, it was a great service, but I continue to be a bit of a rogue where it's like, but oh, we don't like the way he talks. We don't like the thing he says. Like, in other words, I feel like fundamentally, a former philosophy student at long after high school, I was, I was a philosophy student, thought a lot of deep thoughts, a lot of independent thinking, a lot of thought experiments. Can we make the service better? And right now, there's not a lot of social proof because it's just me and a couple students. Even the students I'm working with in person here in Austin, I work with them regularly. And here's what the conversations go like. I'm like, Kristen is getting ready to teach a class on a table. And she's like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, what's ridiculous? And she's like, this is too much work. And I'm like, so you working on a table now, it's too much work. It's too hard. It's too hard on your body. It's, it's too much physical labor. There's no reason to do this because you like the mat work now. When's the last time you worked on a table, Kristen? And she's like, it was well over a year ago. And I go, I was like, Kristen, have I ever failed you? Have I ever led you astray? And she's like, no. And I'm like, so why don't you just listen to me? <laughs> but that expanse is so big, it's a little bit like you coaching me in gymnastics and I had a, a problem with the back handsprings. I have a, an issue, a fear response to like going, going backwards. So you have to condition the person to get past that. But when they have that fear response, it's like you're afraid of stepping into something new. Yeah. You break, yeah. It, you break it down into pieces to make it safe, acceptable, comfortable. There are a lot of massage therapists who won't do what I teach because they're like, I, man, I don't know. Like, how do, how do I get my clients on the mat? And I have to teach them how to transition clients. I have to teach them how to communicate with clients, not just body work, not just technique. There's a sales component because you're selling a, a different service. <clears throat> when Kristen yeah, gives me it, feedback like that, it's amazing to me because it's proof of concept over what I've been doing, but currently it's just me and like a couple students. There's not a mass movement of what I'm teaching yet. Yeah, it, I think the beginnings are always small. They're always difficult, especially when you see the vision, you see the future of it. Again, that's just part of it. Part of it is that struggle. And you continue to try to find ways to make it happen, make enough money to push the program farther. That social part of it, you know, gathering individuals who see your vision, willing to promote it. Uh, that's it's a slow process, especially when it's small time. I'm a small business. You know, uh, that, that's, that is difficult. I mean, I... I've wrestled with the same thing. I have students, parents that have been gymnasts. They were gymnasts themselves. They were cheerleaders. And occasionally they're here in my facility and they'll want to argue about my techniques or discuss my techniques. And then I pull out my, my whiteboard. I have my TV, my, I have slow motion replay and I'll show them the physics of it and the anatomy of the body. And even though I said, tell them, I even tell them like, I was taught your way as well. I remember, I remember that I was there, but I, you know, focused. I got, got a lot smarter, started studying physics, anatomy with respect to, you know, tumbling and gymnastics in general. 
And I discovered that they were more, more efficient, the safer ways to do these skills, and I implemented them. And I haven't seen this much success. I've stopped injuries. I mean, in or uh, wrist injuries in the, in the sport are, are just out 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 of the out, out the yin yang. Well, I don't have wrist injuries here because I've changed the angles and positions of certain certain skills. My parents just can't believe it, you know. And the doctors can't believe it. I have, I have doctors who went to certain clubs here in the city, orthopedics. <laughs> okay, had their children at gyms, and they hear about me. They come over here. Yeah, she's having these injuries. We're kind of strength there. Da, da, da. I was like, oh, well, they're simply doing it wrong. I mean, I, I don't like to say that. It's like, well, the angle they're at is not the right angle to keep them <laughs> safe. And they're like, what? That's all it took? So all this money going to the doctor, and I'm an orthopedic surgeon. This is all that this is all that coach needed to do was just change the angle of the of the of the arm. It's like, yeah, easy peasy. Why didn't they know that? It's like, well, that's my I asked the same question. Why don't they know that? Yeah. It's because in my industry, there is no, I mean, I don't know about massage exactly, but with respect to gymnastics, there is no degree in gymnastics. There's no degree in tumbling. Yeah. You go out to some other countries, they do have degrees and in, in things like that. But here, I'm autodidactic, respectfully. I mean, there's physics and anatomy. But otherwise, I put in the hours on learning about the human body, the anatomy, uh, the anatomy structure, uh, levers, forces, you know, momentums, and I applied it. But it, it shakes people up when I start talking like that, especially other gym coaches or gym owners or respective ex-gymnasts or cheerleaders just blows their mind. But yeah, I've been for so long, I, expect, I, I just handle it as it comes. And yeah. <clears throat> I just keep so following minds, man. I was in, <clears throat> excuse me, in gymnastics in high school, we would talk about getting forearm splints. And pommel horse, holy moly, dude. It's like pommel horse. Every time I see somebody on pommel horse, I'm like, uh-uh, you... I tried to do that. <laughs> that shit is hard. Yeah, you got to be yeah. strong, man. And it's like, I have very small, delicate wrists and I go to massage school and they're trying to get me to use this to like put, you know, pressure on stuff. So I'm working on somebody your size, which is probably about my size as well. And then I'm, I'm using this. Then I started training in Thai massage and it was like, ah, I can use my legs and feet. Because the legs and feet are just, they're not, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter how much you train your upper body. It's not going to be as strong as you can kick. It's a different part of the body. But that's beginning that flip where it's like, wait, we're massage therapists. We don't use our legs and feet. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, but we were taught in school. Like, in other words, well, this is the way we've always done it. And I go... Yeah, I understand that, but could we change it to make it more effective for the therapist and better for the, the clients? Right. right. And they're like, but but we were taught in school. And I'm like, oh, how do I you know, for me, my moves, people are gonna steal it, right? I get excited because I hear people now where it's like they're starting to accept. Are you ready for the transition in the massage industry? They're starting to accept that you could use a knee. <laughs> on, a, on a table right and i go oh at, at least they're evolved at least they're coming up my way a little bit yeah. because i wasn't taught that in school you never thought about it because you're being conditioned to like <clears throat> think about body and structure in a certain way the mat-based work i was doing transitioned into the table work and much like you being an autodidact i continued to experiment 
getting feedback from the client. One of the things that I think is the hardest to teach isn't the bodywork and technique. The students don't understand why I communicate with clients the way I do. So if I was working on Ushim, yeah, you're, you've got an intake form and you filled out stuff and, and I go, I'll look at this beforehand and then put it aside and go, Shim, tell me what's going on. What are you having problems with? And then immediately it's like problem solution oriented. Oh, you have a problem with your shoulder? What happened with your shoulder? Are you having pain in your shoulder? Are you even tingling in your shoulder? Is it running down to your fingers? Like, what are you getting? The students are like, well, the client just has shoulder pain. What do I do? And I'm like, where on the shoulder are they having pain? And they're like, well, I don't know. Because they're just thinking about delivering the service. Right. Like it's the like, you know, it's like it's the same for everybody. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I when I connect deeply with Shim as a client and I help you with that shoulder pain because I communicate with you, you don't feel like I didn't do my job because I didn't do the massage. You feel like, whoa, this dude is my massage. Like this guy went he he performed right. above and beyond. And that's how I made my living. But you can understand why in a digital format trying to deliver that education, they're like, dude, this guy is like, he's like breaking the rules. And I go, yes, but we have great clinical outcomes. Yeah, you, I understand. Listen, everything you're speaking to, gosh, I mean, our, our, we're really mirroring each other. I think a lot of businesses, entrepreneurs like ourselves that are pushing the envelope, trying to pioneer new methods. It's a, it's a mirror image. I have the same, same thing I talk about every day. I just keep, I just keep at it, Robert. It's one of the things where I'm really comfortable now knowing I'm different. I'm very comfortable in my shoes now, my skin. So I'm, I'm trying to, I want to fray, I want to say this in a way where I, I can tell, like you're, I can tell you're pushing. I, I read your, I read your, all your comments. I, I read everything you, you post. I watch your videos and I can see like, man, like you're really, it's probably always harder for you in the industry you're in. You get a lot of pushback. I don't get pushback and it might be because I get little because this industry is small. I mean, within, within a five mile radius, there might be. Licensure, and I think my industry is more regimented. It is because you have certifications. Whereas here, I mean, they had they're loose, man. They're not really coaching certification. They're it's called a safety certification, but people think it's a coaching certification. I mean, there's no there's no coaching thing. I mean, you can go take them, but there's very few of those. Most people in my industry were simply athletes. Okay, so you were an athlete, yeah. and guess what? If you have the money, you can go open a business tomorrow. Done, and you can start teaching all this stuff and set up the routine. A routine, and you can just that's, it's that easy. And so because of that. There's a very little pushback because each club can do whatever they want. And so can I, but because here's the difference, I'm a non-competitive facility and okay? I set it up like it on purpose. Most gyms, I would say all of them have competitive platforms. I do not, I did it on purpose. Okay, so I created a facility where I would teach everybody. So if you had an issue, if you were a gym, especially a dancer and you wanted to learn to tumble, here's the place. I did it on purpose so I could gather the confidence of the entire community. Yeah. So they could come here and train without feeling out of place. Like we're at that place. No, this is, this is a neutral ground. You know, this is, what is it in Highlander? You know, this is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever they call, I forget Highlander, but 
but this is like, you know, sacred ground, you know, like you're safe here. And what it did was it, it immediately became my biggest growth because I have, I'm lucky to say this, every single gymnastics facility in the city and out, outskirts, cheer and dance, I have every single business coming to me, learning these skills. They can take those skills, go back and compete. And I'm the beneficiary of all that. I get all the, you know, referrals. Oh, you know, from if it's the Francis or the, all these uh, revolution, I teach everybody. I teach everybody. And so I think it's lessened the kickback that you might feel because of uh, the pushback or the back talk, because I teach everybody's kids anyway. I'm supporting these other people's businesses, making them winners. And so people look at me as like, oh, that guy, he's not competing against us. He's helping us. So I only get kicked back usually on technical stuff, but in terms of like um, a change in the business, I'm helping people's businesses. So I may not get as many of the, 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 the flags you, you get respectfully. There is a, a big divide and it's, it's coming into more contrast as the business grows. We've, we've struggled with this because I'm still teaching techniques on a table because the majority of my industry is table-based. I understand that. I accept that. I'm more comfortable being on a table, working on a table, teaching on a table. I continue to do it again and again and again and again. The transition is facilities don't allow mat work. They're like, once you get to the mat, they're like, it, they know, I think internally, this changes things in ways we're uncomfortable with. Not because it's ineffective, it's just new. Like we don't, we don't even have the architecture for this. Like we don't have mats. We, we got to take down a table and where we put the table. It's like, right. there's a, a, almost a, not a geographic, but there's an architecture issue. So I teach on a table and I teach effective techniques and I'll give you a quick example. There was a facility here in town. They called me, hired me and I was like, okay, I got intro tie, I got table tie. And they're like, nope. In other words, they want to change my curriculum to fit what they want. And I go, okay, what do you want? And they're like, with table base, six hours. I'm like, all right, how much? Okay, cool. I'll come in, I'll teach. I come in, I'm setting up tripods, setting up cameras, and they're like, wait, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I film all my classes. And they're like, wait, but no. And I'm like, no, that's cool. And I just keep setting it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because right, yeah. in massage, everybody's naked. I haven't had a client take off clothes probably in over eight years. It, it, they're like, I don't do this shit. It's crazy. So I get the camera set up. I start teaching. All the students are just freaking out. They're like, dude, this shit is amazing. Oh my God. This is, you know, this is revolutionary. <laughs> Afterwards, the guy pulled me aside. This is weeks later. And he's like, we have a problem. The boss doesn't like it. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Now I put out a lot of video to warn you who you're getting involved with. Okay. Right. I don't go to a Rage Against the Machine concert and expect Enya. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't go see Tool and expect James Taylor. Right. Right. Okay. I I put out video as much for education as a warning. Like this guy don't. <laughs> right. 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 You know? So I said, is the work amazingly effective for the clients? Absolutely. Is it easier on your body? Absolutely. Has your rebook rate gone up? Are you making more money for the company and the owner? He's like, absolutely. And I'm like, listen, the problem is your boss wants something that's ineffective. He can hire somebody else to teach that. <laughs> and I went right back home and it's like, that's the, the divide. They're like, this guy's not conforming to this, you know, industry. And I'm like, guys, 
despite my attitude, it's been successful. The clients love it. You know, my business is growing. It's not maybe where I want it to be. We continue to educate online. My main gig at this point is education. But what's interesting is like just in Austin, I get more students from other cities and from coming from other states than I do from the city I live in. And it's because That's, there's this an like, algorithm issue. No, I think it's competition. I, I think fundamentally, I was told uh, the word on the street is there was a local school telling students not to listen to me. Don't listen to that guy, Robert Gardner, because it's starting to fuck with core curriculum. Because they're like, well, I've seen Robert Gardner do it this way. And they're trying to use that. And they're like, no, stop that. That's, that's dangerous. I have the same issue here. Okay. Same exact issue. I have, because I have clients. I don't have competitive. I mean, sorry, I don't have a competition platform. So all the competitors come to me. So, but they're also being coached. Here's the funny part, right? So they have coaches. I have clients. All my clients have coaches, but yet they come to me. It's kind of funny. Okay. That's like somebody having a massage therapist, but they're still coming to you. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's like, well, what Robert's teaching and what my other, this is, this is different. So who's doing it right? Who's more effective? Right. And so a conversation has to start. I have the same problem here with like back tucks. Some people want to do back tucks a certain way. I teach efficiency. I teach the physics of it. It's about efficiency. Yes, it can be done another way. It can be done another way. And that physics works. But at what cost for safety and function? At what cost? And, and so I have a lot of uh, coaches at other clubs that speak poorly, like, don't listen to that guy, Shim, don't, don't listen to him, doesn't know what he's doing, right? <laughs> I even have text messages coming from other parents who still come to me and say, look what her coach said about your technique, and yet those clients are still coming to me, because I can substantiate every single claim I make, every single one. And I tell them, it's like, well, if you want to listen to your coach, can you talk to them? Just ask them, why can't we do it this way? If you can't speak to your your professional provider, then there's a problem. You can ask me absolutely anything, you know? So I, I, I take that opportunity when there is that type of back talk or negative talk towards me, as an opportunity to showcase my talents. In fact, here's something I've been talking about podcasting. I want to make a huge difference. I have, a, I've been writing for 25 years. I have probably like over 800 pages of information I can, I can edit. I want to edit it and put it into a book. I haven't, got, haven't done it yet, I want to. Even if I do, I'm scared to put it out because it becomes a whistleblower book. It'll, it'll kind of expose everybody, it'll expose the industry completely as to what's happening. But I almost went off on a tangent on that because the book thing is, is huge in my mind, I'm trying to find other platforms that you know, show off my stuff too. But I guess, what I'm, what I'm trying to get back to the point, you have to edit this part, I lost my point. Oh, I don't. So they're like, you, oh, edit this, you edit this after the fact, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> well, you don't have to. No, no. no but I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's worth it all. With the coaching thing, I got yeah. it. I'm back. I got it. I got it back. But yeah, when it comes to them speaking negative about what I do, I use that as an opportunity to showcase my real talent and to also give the client strength to ask their other provider questions like, you should have to talk to them about what they're doing. And they should be able to substantiate everything. If they can't, yeah. or it doesn't make sense, then you have to decide you can go to them. You don't have to come to me, but you can choose that other person or me. So that, that's how I typically answer those questions. Yeah, there's some interesting things. That it, it, like you bring up certain things, like you talked about a back tuck, which I mean, to the, the observer is probably just a backflip, right? Yeah. Students in class, when I wrote materials to get them started, 
I teach from my body, which I think is a normal part of the process as an educator. I would watch students in class and I could visually go, oh, okay, and then go give that student a slightly different option because their extremities aren't as long as mine or their flexibility isn't as advanced as mine. And then the students always go, oh my God, there's more than one way to do it. And I go, oh yeah, like there's, it's really, really broad based on body size, shape, strength, flexibility. And I take it very seriously to get the student to a point where they're gonna work on someone as effortly as possible with as little, the least amount of effort for the maximum amount of benefit. I had a student who said from one of the, the teachers who's working with me now, this guy said he didn't like the leg sequence because he, he's like, I didn't like the way Robert winged it. And I was like, winged it? I was like, dude, I don't dig up John Coltrane and give him a saxophone and go, wing it, John. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is improvisation. I'm, I'm improvising right. based on the students' questions and like giving them information to, it, to adapt it you know, into their practice. But there's even this discussion about sequences comes up all the time. They want a protocol, a 10-step protocol. Yeah, and I go, ooh, okay, I, I can do it. I, I can do it. Like we can, okay, sort of for like shoulders. Okay, sort of. I can break it down into 10 main muscles and 10 main things you check. And, but in the end, it's like it's much more fluid than that because the session itself is improvised based on the client's needs. That's also speaking to real life application, right? So it's kind of like school. We went to school, primary school. We learn math, you learn addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, then you go to trig, then you go to calculus and maybe even other types of uh, math related to physics, engineering, whatever, right? Okay, so the thing is, you have to learn to apply because we take our mathematics learning, but we have to apply it to real world random happenings. And if you don't have, if you have that fundamental knowledge, like, well, wait a minute, that's not the same measurement I did in class. That's not the same math problem. This is a different problem. Well, right. All that learning you did, you're supposed to apply it to random happenings. But these, I think what you're speaking to is like people want that easy peasy in a box methodology or method protocol and they don't want to go outside of that because they don't know they can't apply it to other things it's, it's the application um that's i remember in once in college one of my kinesiology professors i learned very quickly how to apply information because in the first half of the semester everyone was failing I mean, we were all like flailing, C's, D's, we're like, what's going on? It's like, guys, yes, here's the textbook information. Here's, here's all this stuff I'm giving you. But his questions, they weren't questions we saw in the book. He's like, here's an event. Here's a person going through this. How do you, how do you get to handle the problem? And you had to put everything in the, in the mush. Okay, this goes here. Let's let's switch this here. Let's switch this here. Oh, now this is how we can apply the, all the information. We can apply it to this person's goings on. But I think most people just want the exact match. They want if it if in teaching, if it's ABC over here in real life, I can only do ABC. I can't go B 
C, A. I'm like, yes, you can. You might have to go, instead of going from A, you might have to start at C and go back to A. It might be different, you know, but I think most people just want just that simple, easy peasy protocol. They don't want to think. One of the things that's happened, you talked about certifications and then the branding process. As I move away from Thai massage specifically, the traditional Thai massage community came up and was like, this isn't Thai. And I'm like, I'm a white guy from South Louisiana. I don't make fucking, God damn it. When you make me gumbo, I'm going to criticize it. Because <laughs> I'm not going to think it's as good as what I can get back home. Like, I'm not trying to make Thai food or Thai massage. Like, I'm trying to pay homage to the discipline that I was taught. But it's like, were we practicing gymnastics in the Greek ideal? No, well, no. no, of course no. not. We were naked. Like, we were we, na oh, that gym exactly. gymnastics means naked. It means naked sport. So we must have changed it. <laughs> we put clothes on. <laughs> I, I don't think that would have gone across well in a public school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, listen, there's an argument there. We're, we're not doing gymnastics. Yeah. We're clothed. This is the clothes sport. <laughs> The more I tried to adapt and, and change it and evolve and grow, it was like we hit trademark in like rebranding and various issues. And I talk to people about this and all the time, what I'm doing is we've, we've now filed a trademark, I'll mention it here, for next level pain relief. Next level pain relief is the chosen name. We have no idea whether we'll get the registered mark. Right now it's a little TM. I don't even have like logos for it yet or anything that I'm putting out in mass scale. but. They're like, here's what happens. So other people are going, I don't, I don't get it. Next level pain relief doesn't tell them what you do. And I go, nor does Reebok, Nike, or Adidas. And they're like, but no, but it doesn't tell people. I'm like, listen, what a rebrand does in my experience is when I say next level pain relief, okay, they know it has something to do with pain relief. What is that? And I go, oh my God, beginner's mind. We just wipe the slate clean from yoga. We just wipe the slate clean from Thai massage. It said, I'm gonna give you a new box. The people who choose this box, I'm a Nike fan, this is me. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. There's just something about Nike. Maybe it was because I grew up in, in the 80s and 90s and like Jordan was at his peak and it was like Nike's were the swoosh, you know, Nike's were the thing. Yeah. It's not that I won't wear Reebok or Adidas, but I've chosen a brand. When you give them a new box, they have different parameters for like what that is. They, they create a new brand that's like distinct that they get to choose. And that process of beginner's mind was the thing that so far has been the most amazing to me to see in how it actually works with the students. Like I had a class recently and it was hilarious to me because I'm like, I talk about this stuff in class and I'm probably discussing issues in business that are beyond where the students are just trying to get clients. And I, I, I talked to them about brand and I said, who here doesn't like brand? Because I hear this all the time in my classes and this guy raised his hand. He's like, I don't like brand. I'm like, why don't you like brand? He's like, because I'm an independent thinker and I don't choose brands. And here's the deal. I didn't say anything because I wasn't going to call him out. I looked down at his pants. They're a brand. <laughs> I looked down at right. his shoes, they're the same brand. And, right. and later, Kristen was like, did you notice that? And I'm like, Kristen, what they do and what they say are not always in line. 
Right. And not to bring in politics, like are people Democrat or Republican? They have a really hard time thinking outside of that box because it's like, well, no, my tribe does this. My group right. does this. And here's what it is. We've got massage therapists who are like, no, this is, this is what we do. And I came along and started like coloring outside the lines and they're like, but, 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 and I'm like, it's not illegal. It just breaks the rules. That branding and labels, it's, that's powerful. It's very powerful. Um, I, I, you know, just in my business, people use the word gymnastics a lot. And I try to tell them, it's like, I don't do gymnastics here. And they're like, what? You're teaching flips. It's like, well, the category is tumbling. And under tumbling, there's gymnastics that uses tumbling. Under tumbling, cheerleaders use it. Under tumbling, dancers use it. Under tumbling, martial artists use it. Under tumbling, skateboarders use it. Under so I'm saying it's like, this is tumbling, this is not gymnastics. I don't have bars and beam. Gymnastics are the apparatuses, you know, and in, 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 in collectively. So people's labels and thoughts on what those labels mean can really handicap their thinking and, you know, and, and to keep them stuck in that, in that previous box, you know, and when I want to, and so that's, I think that's part of what you're we're talking about. So let me ask a question if I can. So will you be removing the term tie from your new Thai massage from your new? Yeah. So like, one of the things I'm actually surprised at, I have gotten some, but not, not, not a whole lot. I haven't gotten a whole lot of complaints about cultural appropriation. When I started teaching years ago, it was delivered to me by a woman from the East Coast who is as white as I am. She had traveled all over Thailand and she kind of took this stuff and mashed it together in a way that she delivered to me. And I assisted her classes. I worked with her. It was time massage. We called it time massage. Time massage was new. Time massage wasn't available. It was Time massage, never any real issue, but here's what, ha what happened. As time massage continued to grow in the West, now there's a pu pushback for traditional time massage. And they go, well, what's the difference? And I go, okay, one of the key differences is I, as a Westerner, was willing to change things to make it adaptable to a Western marketplace, to Western customers, Western bodies, and, I hate to say this, but I was looking at pain science. Traditional time massage comes from old Asian theory about sun lines and magic energy lines. I don't want to denigrate that, but I want to say, what does the science say? Right. Because primarily I'm trying to solve a mobility and a pain management problem, and time massage is a large portion of this answer. In the same way, to me, that Bruce Lee was trained in Wing Chun and then developed Jeet Kune Do. Right, correct. He studied the, the fit, uh, footwork from like fencing, like was a tango dancer, I think at one point. He was blending and was sort of that amalgam of like, how do you take an Asian discipline and westernize it and teach Western students? The challenge was I was trying to lift time massage up and, and bring it notoriety and intention um, attention and that worked, but there was this pushback where it's like, but you know, you're, you're changing it. And what I can do is there's a, a master in Thailand named Pichette. Pichette, when I watch him, I go, ah, you, I know what you're doing. You little booger. I, I, I see you, sir. I know exactly what you're doing, but because he's Thai and because he's in the country, in the tradition, 
he's allowed as a master to change it. The question became, can I, as a white guy in the United States, change it? When they're like, you don't even understand the base discipline. And I'm like, uh, okay, let's move on. Let's move to a new name. Let's talk about the fact that, yes, my work grew out of Nuad Boran, which is a traditional healing arts discipline in Southeast Asia. High massage is a moniker that was more acceptable to the Western marketplace. But fundamentally, I'm doing next level pain relief. What's that? Well, I help people with pain relief and mobility issues in a unique way. Watch, here's the video. The massage industry says it's, wait, this isn't massage, it looks like yoga. And the yoga industry says, I don't understand, it's not yoga, it looks like massage. And I go, next level pain relief. So I'm gonna respond. When it comes to appropriation, this is how, this is how I look at that. I told, we started this and I say, everything's made up. Everything's made up and it evolves. If you make up something, and you don't want anyone to ever see it, don't fucking put it out there in the public realm. Yeah. Okay, then it won't be appropriated <laughs> or taken or used. If you come up with something and you make it free in the public domain, it will change. Now, with respect to signifying where you may have learned some of that, I'm gonna ch I may change the name of it, but I will, as, as a personal, as, and personally, and as a business, someone asks, hey, didn't you get that from, such and such, I'll say, I certainly did. Yeah. But I've adapted it. It's not the same program. So I'm having to change it out of respect. I'm not teaching exactly that. I'm, 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 I'm adding in these, the science to it that wasn't a part of it. But yes, I did learn it from there. But now it's something evolved. It's more yeah. advanced. I'm going somewhere else with it. So am I appropriating it? No, because I'm telling you, I use them. But I'm changing the name, Jeet Kune Do. Yes, he did yeah. get that from a past, uh, you know, practice. So that appropriation stuff, I think, is only a problem if you call it whatever it, uh, Wang Chun, but it's not Wang Chun. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. So changing the name, changing the brand, but giving uh, respect to, I definitely was standing on the shoulders of of others to advance this practice to where I think it's even. Better. Growing up in Louisiana, I, I love food and I was a cook for many years. If I had not gone into body work, I probably would have been a chef. And I remember watching the original Iron Chef years ago. I can see that. I can, I can see that. Ago. I can see that. The original, the original, well, so uh, the reason I chose uh, body work instead of food service is I was like, I'd be in a kitchen with a bunch of angry guys on drugs with knives and fire. Sounds was like, like fun. Sounds like high stress. <laughs> I can work on one client at a time in a relaxed, okay, I, I, I think I'll focus on, I'll cook in my free time, but I'll focus on this. Yeah. When I watched the Iron Chef, Hiroyuki Sakai is the one that, he was Iron Chef French, it blew me away. Because you got this Japanese guy who studied his cooking technique in France. And then he was using French techniques on Japanese ingredients. And I was like, oh my God, dude, what the? And then Chen Kenichi, Iron Chef Chinese, you know, and then on and on and on. Yeah. And it was like, growing up in Louisiana, this is the thing I was saying about black and white. Like, Baton Rouge was about 50-50 black to white. New Orleans pre-Katrina was like 70 to 80 black to white, probably. And the thing is, it was like, I would sit and have these conversations with myself, thinking about Bruce Lee, thinking about cultural appropriation, thinking about culture. And I'd go, dude, it's jazz. Is jazz white? Is it black? Is it Caribbean? Is it native? And it's like, 
Well, it's uniquely American, but it's because these cultures and these instruments and these rhythms collided through Congo Square, where slaves were able to play their native tribal rhythms and were like syncing up in different ways with different instruments that they hadn't had access to before. It gave birth to jazz. The reason part of the cuisine in New Orleans is so amazing is because of all that cultural influx of items, cuisine, culture, background. You know, gumbo, it's like, it starts with a roux, that's French. But it's like okra, there are not a lot of people in France eating a ton of okra, is my guess. Right. You know, okra came, to my knowledge, from the, the, the old world, from, from Africa or parts of Asia to the new world. So the deal is I kept looking at those things and it was like, I think this is me thinking about it culturally. For me as a kid in Louisiana, I didn't have any problem borrowing from other cultures because I felt like my culture was such a mix already. There, there was no concept of purity. There was no concept of like, I got into music when I was in college and it was like, okay, jazz and then like jazz fusion. Like when Miles Davis started going electric, it's like, mm -hmm. is that no longer jazz? But it's jazz with like electronics and technology that musicians didn't have before. And then you get to like rave and house music and turntables and then synthesizers and computers and go, they have new tools now. Who am I to say that it doesn't adapt, evolve, change, and as a kid in, from Louisiana, it was like, I think also it was just normal to me to pick and choose different things and throw it into the pot in a different way. I think change changes what this is all about and, and people's ability to handle it. You know, you have these purists that want to control something that perhaps their culture created or are evolved to some more visible, spectacular form, right? It, it's, it's more mainstream all of a sudden, and maybe a, a few people had something to do with it. And then somebody else sees it and wants to ad adopt it, adapt it, evolve it. But those, the, the predecessor are like, oh no, no, what you're doing, you know, no, we, we control this. And that's, that's a problem of people just wanting to retain relevancy. You know, it's like, yeah, you did create this, or you did have a main piece of evolving it. And now, in your lifetime, it's changing again. And a new name is going to uh, go on top of it. But we're going to give respect to you, but there's those people below, they don't want to lose relevancy. You know, because if you manage to evolve high massage, massage in general, Thai massage. It's a huge blow to a magnificent injury, uh, industry. And it's gonna, <laughs> I mean, I don't have that issue personally. I think you but and I- Your I'm, business is based on the capacity to change. A hundred percent. I don't work. Every time I teach a handstand, that's mechanically finished. Like we're human bodies, our, our fingers and you know, the leverage is done. Positions are finished within respect to a discipline, with respect to an industry, gymnastics requires this shape. Well, the physics is finished with that. But I think about all the time, how can I make it even better? Yep. How can I, I add things like I, I create actual devices that I place, I make them, make them myself in shoes, on the hands. I add weights or add things to the fingers to make the, because you know, these, the joints can be weak. 
I'll like, let me try doing this. Let me change the system. The body's finished, but can I add something to it that creates more leverage, that gives more strength? Because the rules, there are no rules. So it's like, I can change what people have been doing because the, 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 the standard quo as it is, it doesn't say you can't. So I can make athletes better by adding things to them to make them, give them more leverage, more speed. Why? Because I, I can. Because yeah. I can, because I made it up, I can do it. You know, it's like you, you can, I can make, it's all made up. So I can continue to make up stuff that works, that improves. And the people below me, or below me, or people that see it differently, they can say, oh, well, that's not how we learned it. It's like, I know, I made it up. I just yeah. made it up and it works. Yeah. So and I could, I could tell people that I don't think it impresses students when I say I made it up, but it's more correct to say I worked with clients and I needed a new tool. Yeah, that, that's so, what I mean. Yeah. So I right. used my body and crafted a new tool and then they went, wait, but we've never seen. And I go, I know you've never seen it, but we're working in an industry that primarily works on a table, which doesn't give you access to your legs and feet. When it puts you on a mat, it's more like therapeutic Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not Muay Thai. Brazilian right. jiu-jitsu is not karate. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not Taekwondo. A mat-based discipline is different. That's what I'm saying. This is different than what the massage industry is necessarily promoting. I find that it's more effective for my clients and it's easier on my body. I'm going to show you how. I just, I think what you've done is brilliant. I'm waiting for you to come over here. <laughs> so I can get and, a lesson. For, and fortunately, I, I am uh, licensed as a CEU <laughs> provider. In fact, because you have a studio, I should come out and do a class in the studio because I'm assuming you have a big open floor. Oh, I'll turn, I'll turn the camera. Yeah. I've got... A big open floor right here. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> and then, oh, wait, wait, wait. And then I've got a big open floor right there. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you've got space and yeah. I have can't have TVs and cameras on both sides. You could literally, yeah. you could be giving le uh, lessons personal space. Yeah. And this video feeds the other spot and people could be following you through, you know. How are you doing your, uh, your video feed? I just have two 55 inch TV and I have two tripods. That's all I have right now. The Dane Studio, we're doing three. Yeah. in that space with the TV. But right now I have uh, one in each room. I've been, I've been wanting to expand, but I'm so the next couple of weeks, I'll have two cameras at 90 degree angles to each other. And I record on the cameras and I can play back on the TV in slow motion from two different angles. And I'm assuming in the studio, you have a, a good internet feed. Are you able to run like YouTube on the TVs? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's do this. And we'll, we'll talk about this even when the podcast is finished up here. Let me uh, talk to you about doing a free class to some of your students and staff, just setting it up sometime, because from my studio, I can run the four cameras onto your TV screen so they can just follow along live. It would be an easy way to like just connect with your audience if you're interested in that. Also, it's really exciting to me because I'm so heavy into video production and I don't see a lot of people, at least in my industry, doing education that way. For instance, even though I'm teaching for four camera angles, how many massage schools in the United States contact me and tell me to teach, want me to teach their students live? <laughs> right. Exactly. They're like, no, this is throwing a yeah. monkey. God damn it. This guy's saying yeah. he's wearing a goddamn, he's wearing an easy E t-shirt and he's saying things we don't like. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Man, I said, dude, I mean, you just got to keep doing it. Now, I will say this. You were speaking earlier about the look, you know, the clothing, 
And the, my first five years, six years, I dressed the same way, never changed it. But I did have some clients mention they were business types, you know, entrepreneurs themselves and big businesses. And you should have a uniform. They said, you should have a uniform. You should have a collar, you know, wear the, you know, this, the sweatpants or the, the athletic uniform. And to be honest, that just felt to me just sort of pretentious. It was like, I'm just, I have to look like I am, even though I might not have it in my head. Yeah. I have to look like I know, like I know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing, you know, and I still sort of, I'm not saying I battled that anymore. I don't care much about it, but not that the idea doesn't pop up, you know, it's like, if I look the part and I know the part that isn't that the, it's not hundred percent, but I'm just not comfortable in those clothes. So exactly. Just, you know. and, and here was the deal, not comfortable in those clothes. Matt based discipline. It, what I'm doing is closer to gymnastics. I mean, I'm wearing Thai fisherman pants, they're cotton, they move, they're easy, you know, they're, they're inexpensive. And then I wear a t-shirt for something I like. To me, the status or prestige comes out of, I can dress however I want. I've never yeah. once watched Snoop Dogg smoke a joint and be like, I wish Snoop Dogg would dress more professionally. <laughs> right. Like, it's like a Snoop, he can dress however the fuck he wants. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But in my industry, there's still a challenge because they want to be seen as medical. They want to be seen as professional in a very kind of sterile and dry way that I'm like, no, that's not what I'm trying to get them to do. I'm trying to get you to be a goddamn rock star. I have an easier time hanging out with Snoop than I do most massage therapists. Ah, that makes me think of something. So massage, is massage something that doctors will prescribe and does insurance pay for that in most states in the united states currently generally speaking some exceptions no oh well but that's not a problem. they want to be more aligned with insurance and they think that being aligned with the medical industry will give them more esteem and prestige now if i talk to a doctor how many doctors were avoiding insurance and running as fast as they could towards almost like a subscription model with, with their clients? Because they had more time with the clients or their patients. They had more control over clinical outcomes and what they were doing with the patients instead of a third party getting involved. I'm, I'm really big on entrepreneurship and essentially helping the therapist go direct to consumer. But right now, there's no brick and mortar. Not having a brick and mortar for a lot of massage therapists diminishes the, the esteem and prestige of what I'm teaching. Because if it was successful, I'd have a brick and mortar, right? If it was successful, I would take 60% from the, the staff and they'd be working under me in this facility. And I go, hey, why don't you work for yourself and keep 100%? And they're like, this is crazy. I don't, this is crazy. And I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah. Different. And a lot of, lot of logistics. Like in Washington state, Washington state is the state that I know of that really streamlined insurance billing. But if you talk to massage therapists in Washington state, one of the things that's happened in massage schools, because massage is regulated state to state, is the massage schools are only teaching insurance billing in Washington state. They're not teaching you how to run your own practice because they feel like everybody's just gonna try to bill insurance or work for somebody else. Increasingly, as the industry has become more and more regimented, 
and Massage Envy has come to the helm, they're increasingly, in my opinion, standardizing curriculum to get them to work at large massage facilities like Massage Envy. When I come in and go, hey, why don't you work for yourself and make video at mass scale? They're like, that's insane. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of, not a lot, there's some. There's not as many massage therapists who work for themselves. I could make a guess, and I don't have real statistics on this. I would say less than 20% of the massage industry is in full private practice. Hmm. Is it expensive to get into? I have no, no clue. So state regulations in many states, generally, 500 hours of curriculum, uh, variable. I've heard numbers as high as 12 grand. I've heard numbers as low as like three. It depends on where you go to school, what they charge, but you have to go to a usually a physical in-person school in a state that's licensed as a massage school to go through the curriculum, take your exam, and then become licensed by that state where you apply that's for that. I wish, I wish this industry had the same protocol, same, same. That's why so many people get involved in it. It's unregulated. It's heavily unregulated. Yeah. And that allows just, it's just, it's a cash cow. This is absolute cash cow. I mean, yeah. I would tell you right now, your side hustle should be open a floor and just start teaching cartwheels. <laughs> you know, <and> just... <laughs> yeah so yeah we have massive i i don't get any fans in the massage industry because i'm generally against massage regulation now when yeah. people hear that they it's like their hair catches on fire and they're like oh my god are you fucking insane you just want and i'm like listen i teach from four camera angles live i don't think what i'm teaching is dangerous i don't think it's harmful to the public I'm going over contraindications and the issues that people might face. If people are having problems, I can live stream with them from four camera angles and answer the questions live to make sure they're working on people safely. Literally, if you're seeing this podcast and you're like, I got lupus, I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I, I don't know if what I do is good for lupus, but I'm happy to have a conversation with you about it. People are still amazed that I answer my social media. They, they think I, they think I had a crew and I'm like, no, it's just an asshole with a camera, bro. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, that's funny, but it's um, also, how difficult. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. How difficult. So what part of my, you know, with, with me, my difficulty in, in growing my business is finding, I try to find experienced people because that sort of shortens it in terms of training them they still have a lot to learn about safety and function and protocols i like to implement that's important safety of these kids is paramount so experience is usually necessary i've tried the route of having people with no experience that makes it easier but their interest is sometimes waning so I, my heart the hardest part for me is teaching getting getting staff trained sufficiently and keeping people's children safe and learning basic tumbling skills and liability is very very it's big it's high it's on people's lives and so i have a very difficult time trying to scale my business because of that because i care so much about the safety of the children yeah be a multi-million dollar business in two years if i just started doing what everybody else is doing i could just hire anybody say hey you had experience, you did, you did, you know, you, you know, you did uh, gymnastics in high school. You can come teach. That's generally the staff other clubs have. They have people that were very low level understanding athletes. 
and they just, hey, you can, you can breathe, you have both feet, both hands, you can talk. I need you to get in here and teach these how to do cartwheels, blah, 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 it's unsafe. I mean, how do you think, in, in, your, in your business, scaling, how do you look at yourself scaling something and being able to control it, but not so reduce your ability to grow? Trademark and quality control. And then what I'm doing is one, I'm deeply involved in, and I can, I can hear it in the way you describe certain things. Like it almost makes me drool thinking about it intellectually, because I know I could sit and ask you about, tell me about back tuck. And we'd be here for four hours where you're going over nuance of like specific muscles and the way it controls the, the speed that you flip, the height that you jump, the, you know, all this stuff, this nuance. I'm, I'm deeply, deeply involved in what I'm teaching. What I have done personally, because I can only control me, is trademark and then extremely heavy digital supplementation, which means I'm even developing teacher training materials in an online form to supplement the students. And when somebody, uh, Jennifer Brooks is getting ready to teach a class in Washington State, she would be the first teacher trainee essentially teaching one of my classes in another state but I'm doing live consults with her to be able to educate, share, and I'm trying to get her to film her class so that I can watch it and go, okay, I want you to change this. I think this will work better for the students. I think it'll work better for you as a teacher. I'm still heavily, heavily involved in that ongoing mastery, that being an autodidact and like figuring out what works and doesn't work. It's not because I want things to be regimented or so structured that it's dry, but the students do need enough of a path laid out by you and I to feel comfortable. And I'm a big, big fan. This is me. We teach very physical disciplines. I wouldn't want to learn gymnastics from YouTube videos alone. <laughs> Please. Right? Don't. Yeah. But once you have some basics, you can pick up new stuff. It's kind of like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. They go and train, but could you watch it? Oh yeah, you could watch a YouTube video and pick up a tip or pick up a technique. The digital supplementation is inexpensive and it's more scalable. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's something I need to, because I'm struggling with that right now. I lost seven coaches uh, when COVID hit and I'm down to just myself and one other coach who's, who's graciously continuing his time here, you know, he's graduated from college, he has another job, but he's worked with me for a long time. So he, he's still, you know, giving me some, some assistance, but I have been, I've, for the last seven, eight, eight months, at least eight months, I've been on Indeed, I've been blasting social media, handshake into colleges, posting anywhere I can. And I'm having just now, I know a lot of companies are having that same problem right now but it's just tremendously hard right now to find anyone willing to work with even level of experience. And I've, I've upped my rate of pay tremendously. I uh, think in, in your case, you, you need very specific teachers, which if, if you're gonna do anything remotely similar, and I'm always gonna extrapolate from my own business, you're gonna have to get very hands-on in the teacher training process and building the teachers that you want and then continuing that nurturing and development over time. Because I think as physical disciplines, what we're teaching takes time. It's not, it's not just an intellectual exercise. 
Yeah, certainly not just folding a t-shirt. You know, and most of my success, I would imagine with you, you're going to have the same type of happenings. Usually the coaches I have, I, I grow them from within the program. Yes. You know, they were students, yes. they become coaches, you know. Yep. Struggle. And that's, that's the same process I've gone through. I make it extremely affordable and easy for the students to come along. And also in my experience, because I'm trying to build a brand, because I'm trying to scale the business, they have to get along with Robert's personality, <laughs> which means they have to have a great deal of compassion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I'm pretty easy to get along with. All, all the coaches I've had, they've always enjoyed my, my personality. I take them out to, uh, let's see, if once a month, I would take everyone out to dinner at some fancy restaurant. Mm -hmm to build some camaraderie and morale i would yeah. do that even though i didn't always want to it was good to do so <laughs> there's a there's a certain if you get a strong tribe growing i definitely run my business so yeah the bill's got to get paid but i'm really trying to build a, a group of people who have a belief system they believe that what we're doing is better for the world and they're just fiercely dedicated and committed to helping me build like the real followers, the people who would go to the end of the earth to help you keep building. That's really what I'm trying to build at the moment. The early adopters, the ones who are like, yes, this is, there needs to be more of this in the world because I can teach people techniques, but I can't really teach belief if that makes sense. Yeah, let me ask one thing I saw you doing in the last five or six years with COVID, time is a blur. But I remember <laughs> when I was watching you post about, you're like, I'm going to go this online route. Yeah. I'm going to. And I as well was like interested. It's like, he's going he's gonna to do this online? <laughs> like, how is he going to take? You know, and it's very physical. Now, you can certainly, I can see how, I can now see it. I've, I've, I've watched you do it. And I, I can see it easily. As you, you, I was skeptical, but man, once I saw it, I was like, oh, that was, that was easy. So you completely just changed my mind in, in an instant on, on, on transferring it to an online It's It's always option. a supplement. I, I, so, like, understand this. The, the, so, okay, for instance, massage therapists, I, I have this conversation in business classes all the time. They're like, I like word of mouth. And I go, this is digital word of mouth. It scales globally. And they're like, no, I like word of mouth. And I'm like, this is digital word of mouth. It scales globally. So you're in the position now. Stack even though layers. You're, post, you're posting a lot of your content. But what you're really, are you really, what you are you really trying to gather new students that can physically teach via your supplementation of the so videos? Why, why do I put so much video on social media? Oh, that was a question. Yeah, you're asking why? Well. I mean, I put a lot of video on social media too because the more I put out there, the more people see what I do. They see my content. Hopefully, it brings it's it's, it's cheap, easy marketing. Boom! It brings people back to me. 
So the thing is, I, I really, I had this thought years ago with YouTube. I started putting stuff on YouTube and I think I made like a shoulder video and I'm like, why would anybody come take a class with me when they could just watch the YouTube video? But that's not how it works. If I produce, like there's 1400 videos on my YouTube channel right now. I've had people say, nah, I'm not gonna subscribe to his thing because I could just watch his YouTube channel. How many people watch my YouTube channel to study from? Probably very, very small amount. Why did they pay me $7 to get access to that 800 hour vault of full classes? That's somebody that's far more interested. A little more depth. Who buys yeah. workbooks, DVDs, Time Massage Jam t-shirts, engages in the Facebook group, decides to come take an in it's, it's it, it is layered. Layered. It's not repeat, it's always gonna be a physical discipline that will never change. But I'm layering the digital curriculum on top because it's essentially a very cheap, inexpensive, scalable funnel to get them involved and go, dude, this shit is, I'm like, the more, because my industry is like, this isn't massage. And I go, no, it's, it's this. But the more video I show, mat base, mat base, mat base, mat base, mat base, mat base, becomes normal. When I saw, when I was a kid, I remember when uh, the Extreme Ultimate Fighting Championship, yeah, the UFC, yeah. when the UFC opened, I saw the first season. My dad had, a, this is how old I am, my dad had a cable disc scrambler. I don't go after my father, we don't put him in prison, but he had a cable disc scrambler, yeah. and I saw Hoist Gracie come out, and he looked kind of like me, and he destroyed everyone. And I was like, what the hell is he doing? And it was yeah. Bra Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So let me ask, yeah. I've been to two or three UFCs live, by the way, too. Like the, some of the early ones, I saw Tank Abbott fight. But let me ask you this, so should I be less concerned about hosting because my techniques that i have they're they're unique to me and i consider them to be you know like the, the reasons why people come to me yeah now of course a, co a coach could come in here i don't know who they are they come here and just watch me and take it and go right but putting it online on instagram or facebook i, I like that i i like to have that little little piece of me here that you can only get if you're here you know, I don't, if I put it online, then I've given it to the public and that information can be taken and used. And then it's, it's no longer special to me. So here's, here's what I think happens. Let you take your best stuff and you make a video and you put it on YouTube. Do people assume that that's everything that you do and then not want to come study with you in person? Mm, that's a good point. My experience of it is completely the opposite. They watch one video and they go, whoa, Shim blew my mind. Dude, I never thought about that with a back tuck. That shit was awesome. They like your channel. They subscribe. They see a video occasionally. And then they go, man, I got to go study with him in person. And you go, ching, 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 ching. The cash <laughs> register's going off. Right. The students, like I said, in Austin, I think, and this is my guess. I'm, I'm having to make assumptions because I have limited data. Massage therapists in Austin feel a competition with me. They're like, we don't like this guy. We've heard too much bad stuff about him. People are coming from other cities and states to study with me. They feel yeah. honored to be able to get my in-person time. And here's what it is. Every time they do this, Shim, in my head, I'm going, why are you paying me like $800 for the day when you could just learn this stuff for $7 on my subscription? And here's what they want. They want my individualized time and attention. 
I would never go to Jay-Z and go, Jay-Z, listen, I want you to come to this event, my birthday and like rap. And it's like, he says, okay, it'll be $200,000. And I'm like, I'll give you 50. <laughs> He'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm listening to you. And so from what you're telling me, I'm doing myself, my business a disservice by not personally putting my face in, in speech and teaching on camera. I, and, and here's what it is. People are going to be drawn to you specifically. I would go even further. I wouldn't just put you on camera. If you have another coach or coaches over time, I would even put them on camera. And here's what's going to happen. Some of them are going to relate to those other coaches because they're women or because they're attractive in a certain way or because they address things in a slightly different way. I'm in the process of working with Kristen and Danielle. They sort of feminize the things I've been saying. It's received differently because somebody else is saying it because they don't have my particular personality or, or verbal um, mm -hmm. skill. They say it in a different way. Not that it's bad or good or vice versa, it's just different. Right. I think fundamentally the way that you draw the students who want to work with you is you show them you at a, at a mass digital scale. I would encourage you not to think in terms of competition and not to be worried about what other people are doing. Rappers do not sit down and go, man, that guy stole my rhyme. <laughs> right. It's like your rhymes need to be more fly than the next guy. You need to develop and evolve. If, if, if people are, they copied Eminem. If people yeah. are copying you, you've already won. People do this to me. They're like, dude, but somebody's going to steal your stuff. And I'm like, oh no. Someone is going to make mat work available in the marketplace and time massage is going to grow and there's going to be more of it. And more people will know about it. And then more people will find my free time massage workbook, find my $7 a month subscription. Find my, <laughs> dude, this right. isn't Snoop Dogg isn't like, man, they're listening to Dre and they're not listening to me. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I like that. I think I'm going to do that. I've always, it's funny. I've always, for some reason, I always want to stay away from putting myself on camera. I don't know if that's just some level of comfort I have. I'm, I'm not afraid to speak with people. I speak with people all the time. I'm a public speaker. Yeah. But putting myself out there with my techniques, my ideas for people to see, even though that's why people come, people come to me to see me anyway. What's the so, difference? So look at it this way. Um, and I want to push it even further. Do you know who Gary Vee is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Gary Vee, online entrepreneur. If I ever meet Gary Vee, I'm probably going to cry like a little fangirl and fall into his arms. A little <laughs> Belarusian asshole. He's Gary Vee fucked up my whole business because I had a camera and a wireless microphone and I was, I was shooting like little snippets for YouTube at that time. And we had, it was it was good camera and we had good audio and what it was like, oh, I'm making YouTube videos. And Gary said this thing. He said, document, don't create. This was years ago. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like document don't create right dude i'm a philosophy student i sat on that shit for weeks i was like what the fuck like it annoyed me i was like document don't create document don't create i was like what the and then as the business changed so we talked about digital distribution digital education we talked about the stacking and layering okay I'm not getting rid of the in-person class, but when I thought about it, I was like, document, don't create. In other words, the creation process was scripting. Okay, I'm gonna make this video. Right. We're gonna talk about this specific muscle instead of recording the entire class and putting it online and giving people access to it. Then 
taking the bulk footage, cutting in the clips for social media, and just showing them what you do. I like it. Like and that. the deal was, it was in some ways less labor intense. It adapted to a social media marketplace that was like rapid cycling of like video information, graphics. I got better and better at it. And here was the deal. It made my digital footprint so big, you were getting more people in the in-person classes. Man, you just, okay. So I have, I told you, I've been recording video footage, have saved 15 years working six days a week, video footage every single day. Do you know how much video footage I have saved? Dude, what? <laughs> it's, it's a mountain. We got to finish a, this podcast and have a conversation. <laughs> this, is, this is, I have a mountain. I have more than a mountain. I have Mount so Everest. Do you do, do, you do any, any video editing at all? I, I do it more often now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's some Holy things. Smokes. I have, I probably have, a hundred thousand hours of footage I could just start clipping, clipping. Yeah, dude, you gotta you gotta start an online school as a supplement. It doesn't replace, it doesn't replace. It's a supplement. So imagine right now, how many students do you have on average? Give me a number. Right now, I'm on a low end. 140. Okay. So of those 140 students, are they just paying like a monthly thing? Is it like a subscription? Now, here's what you're gonna do. All of the in-person students, because they're already paying that, they're gonna be comped your online school oh. as a supplement, but you're going to sell the online school to anybody on earth that wants it. God, you just started a new business for me. Dude, no, 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 no. Layers, layers, layers. Like we're having conversations about merchandise and it's like, it's frustrating to me because I'm not, a, I'm, a, I'm a little Spartan. Okay. Go back to the Greeks. I'm a little Spartan, like sparse, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, we need maps with my logo on it, blankets and bolsters and props and pillows with my logo on it, Thai fisherman stuff with my logo on it, <laughs> because it's like, it supports and builds the brand. It's another one of these layers, because people, in my case, they like to buy the accoutrements that go along with the practice. That document don't create thing, I went, oh my fucking God, dude, I got a camera and a mic, I can just record the whole fucking class. And here's what happened. The same people who said, but people can't learn online, went, oh, but if you give them everything online, they're going to take your class in person with you. And I'm like, you just told me they can't learn online. So which is right. it? <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting here, all this footage I have, I've yeah. been documenting forever. Yeah. Never created anything. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm glad, I'm definitely going to uh, apply that. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's going to be a huge change. I've so also, any, go ahead. Well, I've also been wanting to, you're talking about, you know, product or, you know, shirts, mats. I've also been trying to dab merch with the, with the uh, dance studio, the Hip Hop X. I definitely have that. I mean, there's merch, there's hoodies, t-shirts, backpacks. There's all sorts of stuff. It's easier in the dance world. I've also, I've wanted to try to, I mean, I could do that with flips and fitness easily, but I'm also trying to, I've been wanting to sort of pioneer a product that would be cheap. I have a couple of ideas. I've been working on them that the clients would purchase and I could host videos because I'm trying to get like a, I'm trying to get this global thing with our video thing. That's definitely global. I like that a lot. I'm going to start doing that too many videos, but I've also been wanting to produce a product. Is that something that 
you've considered doing? I mean, are there products? So I, I developed information products first, which means I started with a workbook and then the, the, the shift, that digital shift came in stages. I could go into great detail about this, but I made an intro to time massage workbook, wrote the workbook, had a photographer come in. We made a better workbook. Instead of me taking photos of my ex-wife's kid, like drawing on him with a Sharpie, I had a professional, you know, photographer come in and make the workbook and shoot the photos. And we put it together and I was like, whoa, I had the thing. It was a PDF. Then we could print copies and it was like, eh, we went with physical copy. And then what I did, here's my moment of genius. This was years ago. I just gave the goddamn workbook away for free to build an email list. Dude, I had 2,000 people downloaded that workbook in a period of like a week. And it was like, I was collecting data on like where they were from. And it was like some island in the Indian Ocean that I had never heard of. And I'm like, oh, because I do a physical business. It's in person, right? It was that first snapshot of like digital distribution. And it was like, as we, I was like, oh, okay. So now I got a workbook. Now make videos like a DVD to go with the workbook. Then make another workbook DVD, another workbook DVD, another workbook DVD. And then we kept building and building and building. And I went, fuck it, we have an online school. And I just started filming all the classes and giving the students access to the footage. I see. I to see. supplement. I'm seeing how you start. I'm seeing, I'm seeing this entire ladder where you started and, and where you're going. I can absolutely implement this stuff. I can see it helping my business tremendously. I, I think, awesome. yeah, I, I think in some ways you will be surprised if you worked on this for a year or two, you will be surprised and almost shocked at how much more revenue it brings in in various ways, just because of people come in in person because they found you online. I haven't taken, I haven't taken enough advantage of that. And that's part, partly because, I mean, I'm a single owner, I'm, I'm the sole proprietor, I do everything myself. But what's funny is I've been doing this for 15 years. In the less than one year I've had the dance studio, we've already made huge gains in the business, but it has to have a, have a partner. You know, yeah. I have someone that is able to sort of, if, if I'm not working on it, he's working on it. He's not working on it, I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. I, I see it being easier to scale for me that way. But another part of it is this, let me ask you this. I'm 15 years in just at Club Soda Fitness, but I'm in the business for, for 30 years total burnout. I want to ask you about that sort of, I love what I do. Let me tell you, I love what I do. Sometimes I like coming to work because it's like my home. It's, it's my, it's my, what I'm an expert at. I love helping, but I've also, especially in the last couple of years, but in general burnout, I, I, I don't like sometimes feeling I don't want to be here. It's like, I don't want to be here, but when I'm here, I give hundred percent to everyone. Is that something your students or you have dealt with? So I'll give a quick, and this, in some ways it's not going to sound positive, but it is. There was one point I was married, now divorced, but my wife came to me and she was like, baby, you're going to burn out. And I was like, what? She's like, your, your stress levels and stuff, like, it's just, you're going to burn out. And I was like, huh? Like, I'm fine. And here's, here's what she really should have said. Your stress levels and the way that you're responding in your marriage with me is making me burn out because it was a reflection of how she felt in some ways i'm addicted to the business 
right. some ways, I hate to say I'm addicted to the drama. I'm addicted to the grind. I'm addicted to the, when you said, when I show up, I'm 100%. How many employees show up and they're 100%? Right. But this is the difference. Like when you have your own business as an entrepreneur, this is our dream. Right. We're like, I, like I, I work when I'm dreaming. <laughs> have you ever right. seen G Jiro dreams of sushi? Yes. Yeah. And he's love like, he's like when I went to sleep at night, I would dream about sushi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. That Asian mastery, right? That sort of that thing. I think that it's required. I think that burnout is an important topic to discuss. What I can tell people is, in, at least in my case, this is my experience of it, I set my own hours. If I needed to, I could rein in my hours to a set time frame so I feel more protected. I tend to do things in a way that works best for me. Now, I have students and colleagues that are working with me and teaching, and it is wrong for me to expect them to work like I do and to care about the business to the degree that I do. That's, you just can't. Just an employee and an owner is two different, two different things. I personally find ways to decompress, and this is me. The podcast itself during COVID, particularly, I produced more podcasts during COVID, I was socially isolated like I was alone in my apartment but I could set up my equipment and do podcasts to be able to connect with people at least a, a small degree so now I'm producing more video then I started doing coffee and liquor tastings producing more video then I'm playing no limit hold'em online on poker and I started like recording me playing poker it builds brand around what I'm doing but in my case do I feel like I'm working when I'm playing poker online? I'm, oh, just, I'm just documenting my poker winning just like I documented the business. It's relaxing to me. It doesn't feel like a lot of work. Even the conversation I'm having with you, other people are like, ooh, Robert Gardner has a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I got on a call with Shim and had a conversation with my friend. Yeah, right, right. So it's, it's relaxing. So I think that everybody's got to deal with that sort of thing in a different way. I think a nine to five mindset, there are a lot of people, they need a very delineated, this is when I'm working and this is my home life. A massage therapist will ask me this about social media. Well, how, how much do we let people see your life? And I'm like, you let people see as much of your life as you're comfortable giving them. Right. Makes sense. And I'm not going to tell other people the way they do it is wrong. It's just that I don't want someone to work to the point where they do actually burn out, have like a nervous breakdown. I just learned through trial and error how to back off and go do other stuff. Sometimes I have to force myself. In my complex, there's a pool and then a jacuzzi. And I go take do contrast baths because it gets me very quickly in my body in winter because it's super, super cold, it's like Wim Hof, kind of like breathing and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good for my joints. So something physical to like take me out of that space. But there are days when I can work 10, 12 hours a day, even if it's on paperwork, infrastructure, business, software, doing a podcast. Like I have my own levels and I realize that I'm just not a nine to five person. I would be nuts if I had to live for the weekend. 
there are people right. that they're like, dude, it's Saturday. What are you doing? I'm like, it's just another, it's just another work day to me, bro. Yeah. Cause I don't, I mean, unless I take time off, which I can, I find the limit that works for me. And I also, it was one of the things I love. I didn't do really great in school. I'm not a morning person. Because when I had to get up super, super early and go to school, even like pre-coffee, because I didn't drink coffee until I was like way out of college, I just wasn't very awake for the first couple classes of the day. Because I didn't wake up till 10 or 11, somewhere in there. But being an entrepreneur and working for myself, people are often surprised. I posted something on Snapchat last night at like 1.30 and they're like, dude, do you ever sleep? And I go, yeah, I just have a different schedule. I just get up later in the day and stay up later. The burnout factor is something that needs to be discussed. I think that different people are going to have to find different parameters for what's acceptable to them. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I've, I've sort of struggled with. I've even, I say it's just the burnout I've, ha I've had, I'm having. And a lot of it is the stress from covid the loss of the coaches, loss of revenue, trying to rebuild it, starting a new business at the same time when COVID was, was hitting. And I just, I'm just utterly exhausted at times. And I keep doing it because I like, I come here, it's release. I come here, it's fun. It's almost, it's almost less fun for, for me not to be working. You know, like that, I guess maybe that's what I'm saying. It's like, isn't that funny? It's like, I'm talking about burnout. So I, I need a time, like I'm trying well, to shut that off. Are there certain pieces? In other words, do you find the coaching process fun and liberating? Is it, is it the clerical that's the problem? No, that's, yeah, that's work too. I wake up, I start my, I wake up, I start my tea. What, makes you, my what, what do you do that makes you feel exhausted in the business? That I that I have to do it, but when I'm here, I love it. When I'm even in the mornings, if I, if, I, if I'm working on the business schedule, I mean, I love it. I love it. I get here, I love it. I love like today. I'm gonna make sure this kids gonna be so they're gonna be so happy. I'm so thrilled. I love that part, but it's the part when I'm. It's like that I have to do it. It's like I have to do this today. So, but once I'm there, I'm good. Why why do you have to do it? Why can somebody else not do it? Why can you not delegate? Well, that's where I have to get more more uh, staff. That's where I'm. That's where I'm hurting at the moment. So I'm doing everything. Because what, what I'm hearing is you want to have your business and you want to be able to drop out, come back in, drop out, come back in. Well, before While pre COVID, still... I had a good thing going. Pre COVID, I had a bunch of coaches. Yeah. So I was more in a supervisory role. I would go to I would go to, uh, from uh, from room to room, updating their skill set, helping the kids. It was that was even more fun because I felt like I was I was able to do more. Yeah. You know, but now I'm not there anymore. And so now I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to try to get back there, of course, but man, I'm just really struggling with. And I, the best way I can say it is, like, I have to do this right now. And I guess I'm, I'm saying this for your viewers. It's like, you know, because they're going to be entrepreneurs starting up, doing 100% of the work, and they're going to get tired. They're going to get burned out. They're going to love it. They're going to love it. I love what I do, but I don't like saying like, I have to do this today. Maybe I need to take a vacation. Maybe I need to take two weeks off. Maybe I need to take a month off just to get yeah, away I from mean, it. Barring certain circumstances, life is long. The entrepreneurial journey is long. It's a lifetime. I'm 44 years old. 
if I'm lucky, I'll get another 40 years of doing this. 40 years. When you think about it in that perspective, it's like, oh, that could wait till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're, I, you're always, right. I always want to work at it because I want to I want to master the craft and continue to make it better and improve it. But I also, in my case, make to-do lists. And the to-do lists are usually broken down over like what's got to get done immediately and like longer term goals. But it's nice for me to look at these and go, oh, okay, cool. Check that off. Check that off. Cool. We got a good day today. Cool. I did a podcast. Nice. Gonna do a little video editing later. We're gonna upload these to YouTube. You know, a little bit of forward momentum. It's like uh, working out and getting stronger. When you could do, wow, I did 20 push-ups instead of 15. You're like, I'm getting stronger. You're, you have some metric to be able to judge your growth and progression. I, this is me, I have my own schedule. I, it allows me a degree of like sleep when I need, take naps when I need, and take breaks when I need. It, it's it's huge when I was when I worked for myself for the first time and I wasn't on somebody else's schedule, my performance level shot through the roof because I realized for the first time they'd always been trying to squeeze me into this box that didn't fit my biorhythms. But when I adapted my work to fit my biorhythms, I was way more productive. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely more productive having my own schedule for sure. Uh, I just think maybe perhaps for my in my case, this all that's been going on with COVID, and maybe that's another 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 thing for your viewers. Like there's going to be ups and downs in your business in your life, and you know I mean I stay the path. I mean I'm still doing it, but definitely finding some kind of balance because I I felt like I've tilted a little bit and I've been working too hard. I'm, I'm just I am the business. I am the business. I don't like that part. I don't I don't like that. I am the business. The business is supposed, it's not a business if I am it. The business is supposed to be bigger than me. It's supposed to be able to sort of grow itself. We're, we're both working on that delegation process. Yeah. And I think that you're going to have to work harder at finding people, delegating certain tasks. And the first things that you delegate are the things that you don't want to do. Like, yeah. I like video production. It's okay. I'm not going to edit like Federico Fellini, but it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. It's just like putting stuff in the mail. Like I don't like it. But I could okay. easily hire somebody else. Go drop that in the mail. Like it doesn't it doesn't require me specifically. You you're probably required for coaching. Yeah. Teaching. Teacher training development. Yeah. I want to get to that for sure. I guess, I guess maybe that's maybe that's what you're at. I'm glad you said that. I think I'm at this maybe this is just the stage I'm going through. But I'm sort of, I'm in this mode where I'm tired of doing the physical work. It's, it's taken a lot out of me. I, I have to keep my fitness up. I'm getting older. My body's getting, it's harder to lift these individuals, you know, and I'm just like, God, it's just, it's wearing on me. I want to get to a more supervisory role like I was before COVID happened. It was better for my body. And because, you know, for you, you, your business can definitely handle 40 more years. I don't think my body can physically handle 40 more years of lifting students that are 100 plus you pounds. You got to you know, work on your business, not in it. Correct. And that's what, that's, that's what I'm failing at, at the moment. You know, I'm having to work in it. Well, I, I mean, when, when, we've, when we've done everything ourselves, that's what we default to because that's what we can control. But yeah. to get your business to the next level, you got to do things in a way you haven't been doing it currently. 
like I have students that are teaching my beginning classes and they'll, they'll pull me aside and they're like, I know this is like really hard for you. And I'm like, huh? They're like, why do you think this is hard? And they're like, well, you know, like we're teaching your curriculum. And I go, yeah, just make it, I mean, just deliver the stuff and do 70% of what I do and just deliver it in your own way. Here's what they don't really understand. I'm, I'm learning about education by watching them teach. Right. And I go, oh, okay. Here's the clarity for the teacher training certification. Let's work on this. I'm going to give you feedback. You did a wonderful class. Let's, let's change this. The reason they're using this part of their body is because it's a broader structure. And then I clarify that in form. But I have to be there, see the video, give them feedback. They're helping me more than hindering me. In other words, they think if they make a mistake, like I'm there judging. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, like giving a session and being a teacher are two different things. Right. They're learning to teach. And the, here's what's going to happen. They're going to do this. They're going to do stuff and go, the question will come from a student and they'll go, why do I do it that way? And then they have to go back into the rational side and try to deconstruct it like, huh, why do I do it that way? And that's what makes you better as a teacher. When they say, I know, I know it's hard, and it's like, I don't really think that process is difficult. And if anything, I feel like we're making more progress by having other teachers available to be able to scale things out so there's more video produced, and I'm able to step back like the Wizard of Oz and instruct and coach and supervise to get them and build them up. Man, I really like these tips. I'm, I've, I'm getting a lot out of this right now. I've, I'm going to write some notes down. I, I wanted to write down while I was doing this, but I, I don't want my eyes to be looking down while I was videoing this. So hopefully you can supply some clips or I don't know yeah. how to review this. Oh, is well, this safe? The, yeah, yeah, so I'm recording this. All of this is going to be in audio form and there'll be an entire podcast up on the okay. YouTube channel. So. Okay, good. So I'll be able to review it. Yeah, easily accessible. I would also, when this is, we'll finish up here in just a second. I would love to chat with you, particularly about the online school side. I think that based on your discussion about what you're doing, I think there's a lot of parallels to what I've done. And I think it would be easy for me to show you the insides of like my business and how things are functioning with that stacking layer. Because I feel like you're more here, but I think you could very easily supplement in a digital fashion and re increase revenue and then also provide over time that supervisory role. You can develop a layer of like teacher training materials, stuff that your teachers and staff would have access to where you're instructing them on certain things. I think there's a lot of mobility that you've got for like additional revenue streams and support materials. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm going to definitely uh, get started on that immediately. There's one other thing I want to ask you about. So locally, you said you had less of a uh, footprint locally for some reason. Yeah. You said you said a competition. Yeah. So I'm known, but I'm very polarizing. And there's a lot of people in my industry, massage therapists, are like, we don't like that guy. But you're in Austin, man. That's like that's like free city. I mean, that's like. So I mean, that's here's what I'll tell you. Austin is weird. When I got here, I was like totally normal, but it's because I'm real fucking weird and I'm, I'm weird even for Austin. The deal is Austin is weird for Texas. That's what the, this is not LA. 
This is not New York. Like it's weird for Texas. I so love do you think Austin. you'd do better in a different? So in LA, you think you you would just be accepted more easily? I think people in LA accept people from anywhere else because people go to LA. I think there's a piece. I, I look at this very, very deeply from a marketing standpoint. I think I would be respected in Austin if I moved to LA. Oh, yeah. Now, why? Yeah. Well, because LA is the land of just free thinking. You now, know. if I lived in LA for a couple of years and they said, Robert Gardner's coming to town to teach. Because right now, if a therapist could just come from the other side of the city and come study with me, they're like, oh, that's just Robert Gardner. He's just down the street. That's Makes interesting. Sense? So can you allocate? So when you do your posting, I mean, of course, you send it everywhere. But I, I, don't know, I don't know if you know this, but is there a way? Because right, I guess you just post everywhere. It doesn't matter. Or can you sort of affiliate yourself with our areas you know will be more accepting of your, of your work? When you say and, and so instance, affiliate, if there was a what place, do you mean? Well, what I'm saying is like, if, if you, so demographically, LA may be, may be more accepting, okay? Whereas Austin is not. So do you waste your time? If, it's, if there's any time wasted, maybe there isn't, it doesn't matter. Or can you direct your posts to a demographic, a regional, nationally, internationally, like I know I'm gonna get hits here, or you just start, that's it, not a, it, it's, that's a, a it's a sort of um, throwing spaghetti at the wall and you see what sticks. So the thing about the podcast, flipsandfitness.com, Jim Dewan, like gymnastics, hip hop dance, you know, uh, acrobatics, whatever. When I put out snippets from this podcast, are people on YouTube based on the search thing that I use, is some gymnast more likely to find this? Yes. And then they're like, who is this guy, Robert? What is he, this, what is this thing he's doing? So there's this cross pollination and promotion. And then over time I figure out, oh my God, Brazilian jiu-jitsu people are freaking out about what I do. And I get Brazilian jiu-jitsu people on the podcast because we're networking. Yeah. We're digitally networking, talking about disciplines, talking about business, talking about entrepreneurship, and it continues to grow. You always want to put your energy towards you, what you think is going to build the most. And we have discussions about what to do. One of the reasons for the podcast is for me to reach outside of the massage industry. One of the things I want to do is eventually get like poker players on. And you go, why is Robert? Well, one, I play No Limit Hold'em. I put No Limit Hold'em streams. And Lex Velduis is this guy, he's, I, think he's a, I think he's Danish, I think he's in Denmark. He uh, plays poker online, I watch his tutorials, I learned a lot from it. I even, I even put his tag in his website underneath a lot of my videos, thanking him for his online tutorials that I've learned from. Because my hope is to get Lex on the podcast. But yeah. as you have more and more people from various industries on your podcast and the podcast grows and you have more notoriety and reach and there's more backlinks, Everything builds. You're always going to go towards what's the most lucrative affiliations. But so saying that, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So saying that, now this kind of goes back to the locale you're at, I'm at. This is just, this is me just thinking. Is it going to be detrimental? Yes. To post your locale? Or like in, in terms of 
hitting the international market is 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 knowing your locale, your clients, your two B clients, knowing your locale. People didn't like that's Austin in terms of not even knowing where you're from. You're just on the planet Earth. I'm saying because I mean, could that be? Is that is that something like um could hurt? I mean, there's, I there's, like there's elements of prestige and status. And if I changed my address to New York, New York, ooh, I, there's prestige and status. I think about this all the time. And people ask me sometimes about like long-term goals. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I'm going to continue building everything. And eventually I'm going to have a laptop that is strong enough to support the cameras. I'm going to be the Tony Bourdain of body work. Huh? Like, I'm going to go to Oaxaca in Mexico, work on my Spanish, drink tequila, go to distilleries, continue podcasting from Mexico, bring in people from local villages and work on them for free and live stream from four camera angles. And then when I'm tired of Oaxaca, I'm going to go to Thailand for a couple months and do the same. And then when I'm tired... You know, in terms of you trying to create an international market, which you are doing already, is knowing your place of locale, can it be detrimental? Of course it can be lucrative, but like I'm in Podunk, not Podunk, but <laughs> I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. I'm not in New York, I'm not in California. There are some people that create podcasts, they start building, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna move. People that have podcasts at their home, they move to Atlanta, they move to New York, they yep. just to do the same thing, just yep. to do the same thing that they're doing at home. So, I think in my case, when I talked about Tony Bourdain, imagine me documenting that process. I'm in Oaxaca. Here's a gringo working on his Spanish, hanging out with distillers, learning about tequila, working on people locally, live streaming, teaching this crazy bodywork stuff. But then I'm gone. He's in Thailand for two months. Okay, boom, he shows up in Tokyo. They're like, oh my God. Now, who do they want to study with? They're like, Robert Gardner is a rock star. And I go, yes, you can be a rock star too. Mm. This is how I look at it. In my industry specifically, other industries may be different. Massage therapists, in my experience, they're my primary target market right now. They're exceptionally fixated on status and prestige that is somehow given to them by certification licensure like i i do this kind of work i'm this kind of person i'm choosing are you ready this kind of lifestyle and what i'm trying to do is build next level pain relief is a lifestyle brand i like that a lot yeah i could definitely see you traveling a lot i could i, I think that's what i was asking about locales like you're you're there in austin you're, you've got the brick and mortar but you're, you're you're doing the bigger thing it's like man I could see you, the Anthony Bourdain of pain relief. And I mean, dude, like it'll the, blow the, up. The, the documentation of the process. To me, there's something about, I think about Oaxaca all the time because I'm interested in Mexican cuisine and tequila specifically. And then I think about it, like, think about it from the audience's perspective. And they see me kind of giving homage to the locals and like working on my Spanish like messing up my words, not rolling my R's or, you know, whatever. And they feel like a deeper resonance with me for all of Central and South America because they're Spanish speakers. And then it becomes a little more international, which Tony Bourdain, we know he lived in New York. 
But it's like we think of Tony Bourdain as being like the most traveled all over the world guy. And that intellectual stimulation, just having this conversation with you, this podcast was supposed to be an hour. It's been two hours and 10 minutes. And people go, people won't listen to a three hour podcast. And I'm like, right. really? <laughs> right, right, right. But it's because the conversation is interesting. The thing that I really loved about Tony Bourdain was, yes, the show was loosely affiliated with food and culture and cuisine, but it started to expand into politics and humanity and cultural confines. And, and, and it's like Tony Bourdain would be on Ted Nugent's ranch here in Texas, like shooting guns. People that you'd think, well, Tony Bourdain isn't like Ted Nugent. He's not a Republican. And it's like, but he's, he's building his brand. You know, something, ha having new experiences that are intellectually stimulating. This conversation has certainly, I, I, I was talking about being burnt out. I don't know. Now I'm, <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm thinking, I said, man, you just giving me some ideas on how to elevate another tier of conversation because I, I like what you're doing. You're, yeah, you got this pain management business, but this idea, you're, yeah, it's pain management for sure, but you're developing a culture, a lifestyle, and that's so much bigger. That's definitely, that's, that's branding. That's what branding is. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not just what you do. It's, it's a collective. I can, I can actually see how I can do some of those things here. Yeah. I may actually enjoy moving outside of my space. I only do my work here and I'm really well known here and in my simple locale, I can make some have movements. You, but have you considered, we talked about in person, right? Are you not yeah. traveling and teaching workshops? I'm not, I used to, but I'm not, okay. I haven't done that in over 15 well, years, but COVID would have put the quahitas on that anyway, but yeah. 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 But I think I'm interested in doing that. I've done it before. It helped me get to where I'm at. And I think it would help push. I think it would elevate my brand, my, you know, what my, my take on this business. I think, Robert, I think I'm going to do that. I really am. So teach classes, but that document don't create. And I mean this in all seriousness. Take out cameras, and you'll work on it slowly. Better cameras, better microphones, wireless mic, whatever. Don't just do the stuff. Record it all and figure out how to repurpose the footage, either as an online part of your school or as social media content. Like, dude, I play poker, and I just take funny hands where I'm like, I ain't giving up. I got a pair of eights, and I refuse to fold. And I wind up drawing like quads by the river and I take that one hand and cut a video out of it. And it's me just going like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, I love it. But it builds, it. it builds brand around the stuff that you love. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, man. This, this has actually been uh, therapeutic in some cool. ways here. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and close up for today. I'm going to go ahead and shut down this podcast. But I want you to stay here for just a minute so we can chat. I would love to, if you're open to it, having you on again and maybe going into a little bit more detail as like a semi-regular series. So imagine we did a podcast once a month for six months. Sure. What's going on? And then you go a little bit deeper for the audience. Not everybody's going to get want to watch, you know, two hours a chop of like 12 hours of you and I going over business, brand building, whatever. But right. there are probably people and the people who are more interested in going to the bottom of that funnel, to the depths of our knowledge bases, are really the, the true fans. 
So uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Again, you guys, you can find Shim at flipsandfitness.com. You can find him on his social media. Please follow him. Any final words of advice for the audience? Hey, no, um, I enjoyed this very much. I hope everyone watches it. Cool. So listen, guys, I'll see you again very soon. Thank you for following the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. And thank you so much, Shim. Stay right here. Don't leave. But I'm going to shut this down. I really, really you, appreciate you coming on board and having a conversation with me. Much appreciated. Thank you. No sweat.